Welcome Pathfinders to Find the Path Podcast actual play of the Hell's Rebels Adventure Path. Woohoo! why have you called me, you, and Ross, the head of HR, into a meeting? I feel unsafe. <laughs> Jordan Jessica's asked me to talk to you about your cold feet. Pressed <laughs> <laughs> up against hers. <laughs> that's awkward. Yep, it's the bad kind of footsie. Uh, no, that's actually not why we're <laughs> here whatsoever. <laughs> what, the cold feet thing? <laughs> yeah. That awkward, that awkward cold open, if you will. <laughs> uh, hey, Rick hasn't kicked us out, though. We're, we still exist. Yeah, we, we are actually still here. We're just eerily alone. Yep, this is the uh, the very rare um, ladies' day off, as far as the Find the Path podcast is concerned, where it's mm -hmm. just uh, just us gentlemen. Yeah. And it's weird. Admittedly, I haven't been called a gentleman in quite some time uh, without somebody referring to me in a, in a manner that suggests I need to leave the premises. Little do we know, Ross is actually a bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> you, sir, are a gentleman and a scholar. Thank you. Technically, both of these things are true. It is true. It's true. Of course, as our audience is no doubt aware, when we did our last uh, our last game, episode 39 was uh, ladies' night out, if you will. Even though Cesare is male, but you understand exactly what I mean. Yeah. You know, they had their own their own mishaps, their own adventures. Learn some more about Cesare's dark and uh, serious history. Get to see more of Adri's shop. Vittoria made some friends or potentially enemies. Uh-oh. Sounds like we <laughs> missed, a, missed a very eventful episode. Yeah. It's true. And now it's their turn. <laughs> Hooray! Right, well, now that now that Rick has played that up, I'm expecting great events to occur. Yep. Everyone gets back together. It's like, why is Lucia back in jail? <laughs> oh, no! <God. laughs> no! You're waking. I've been in jail the entire time. It's all been a dream. Oh, no. Oh, God. Let's see you catch me now that I have ranks in athletics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lucia has to fight her way out of jail now. Oh, no. But yeah, of course, when last we left off, uh, well, I suppose to, to, to jump back in here, when last we had left our Silver Ravens, the party had scattered to the four winds, had made their way out into the city of Cantargo, following their vicious battle against Knox and their subsequent victory. Survival. We did win. We I mean, didn't. nobody died, so mm -hmm. I guess there's that. She decided that retreating was better than sticking around. It yeah. is true. As always, discretion. The better part of valor. Mm. And it helps when you can dimension door at will or however that, often she's able to do that. Yeah, at the very least once. So That gives you the greatest level of discretion. Mm-hmm. She turned on her hacks. Mm. Flew. Flew for her life. So, uh, yeah. So it's supposed to, uh, to jump back in to set the scene, if you will. It's been a day since all of you have separated. Uh, the following day since Vittoria's, uh, chance meeting with a, uh, a certain curious individual as well as the conversation between Cesare and Adria. Nicolo, I'd imagine you begin your day like many. You wake up in your house still somehow miraculously standing. <laughs> yeah. The last episode of this is of this adventure path that is collapsing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even there. It has now been foreshadowed too many times to not happen. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I'm waiting for Nicolo's strength to get to 20, and then he just rips his door off the hinges by accident, collapses the entire house. <laughs> oh, that was a load-bearing door. <laughs> <That's> a load <laughs> <laughs> Every contractor just cringed internally. I know, right? Yeah. 
But you wake up, uh, get dressed, try your best to, uh, to eat something very quickly before making your way out to the city streets. That's what apples are for. Apples and a single piece of bread that's immediately stolen out of your hand by a pigeon. <laughs> Dang pigeons. Need to have a raven back over. It's not even a sandwich this time. It's just bread. <laughs> it's just bread. It's an apple sandwich, the saddest of sandwiches. Oh, no. <laughs> I didn't even slice the apples. It's just an apple on top of a piece of bread. <laughs> well, it is pretty. I was going to say, I, I've had uh, apple sandwiches where it's just apples and peanut butter in a sandwich, like diced okay, apples. Okay, that does sound nice. It's actually okay, pretty yeah, good. Okay, that, yeah, that I can go with. Anyway, but, especially anyway. if it's the extra crunchy, like the Peter Pan extra crunchy. Uh, anyway. mm. Welcome to the uh, the Find the Path podcast uh, breakfast menu. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happens when you leave the guys all alone. We're just going to talk about food. Mm, waffles. Anyway. Yep. You make your way out, uh, descend down the steps, make your way out into the city streets. It is another traditionally gray, overcast Cantargo day. The streets of Devil's Nursery are no different, honestly, than you left them a few days ago. Probably more so than many of your companions, you honestly feel like you have the least to immediately worry about. Whereas they might have to worry about, well, what if one of these priests is out on the street and recognizes them? Or what if one of the Datari gets suspicious of them? You don't have to worry about seeing priests or Datari, as no one in the government cares a lick about the entirety of Devil's Nursery. I'll say the building codes are certainly not enforced. <laughs> no, I'm just no. saying you guys need to form your own, like, mini police precinct. I mean, I don't know. I don't well, know, like, how, how, how you could legally file for creating a precinct separate from everybody, but... Yeah, that sounds really tricky. A little bit. It sounds like they wouldn't allow it on principle because Probably they're all not. racist. Probably not. But you navigate your way through the various streets. Again, in Devil's Nursery, street is somewhat of a exaggeration most times. Red Street, of course, runs through the northern portion of Devil's Nursery. If anything, it's really a delineation between the southern part of Red Street, which is Devil's Nursery and the northern part of Red Street, which gets into the actual Red Roof district. Even though technically, for all intents and purposes, Devil's Nursery is part of Red Roof. Hmm. Instead, most of the buildings here have been constructed, again, not necessarily up to code, and make this warren of twisting tunnels that navigate their way through this. It's, it's almost more like a, a maze of alleyways. You make your way quickly. Not to the occasional passerby, very few of them nod back to you. Hmm. Before making your way to the Cloven Hoof Society. The building, again, standing as a, uh, as a resolute, a point of pride in comparison to many of the surrounding rundown buildings. Its walls recently cleaned, its gutters always clear, pigeons everywhere. Of course. But a distinct lack of pigeon poop all over the building. <laughs> yep, we whitewashed the walls, therefore you cannot tell. Yep. <laughs> Gross. You make your way in through the wide front doors. Entering into the large common room, finding that there are already a number of people. Again, with the sunrise, the Clovenhoof Society transforms. As during the evening, the common room is given over to bunks and sleeping accommodations, sometimes just bedrolls, depending upon how overflowing the need for accommodation is for the common people of Devil's Nursery. By this point, the tables have just been finished being dragged out and put back into place here in the common room. Towards the far back of the room, you see the buffet line. And I assume circle back around to see your old friend, Gatrus, the uh, the grizzled, ancient tiefling, scooping out a large spoonful of uh, fresh scrambled eggs onto a plate and handing it to the next person, making their way up. Mm. He gives you a nod, squinting a little bit. 
his eyesight somehow miraculously becoming worse and worse every time, much like your house every time <laughs> that you see him. <laughs> and yet somehow he can still cook, y'all. Yep. He's doing it by He's smell. He's just that good. Yeah. It's all by smell. Smell and sound. That's why dolphins are such amazing cooks. <laughs> <laughs> the Typhling nods as you approach. Oh, I see you've drug yourself out of bed once again. <laughs> yes, uh, sometimes I do manage to wake up with the dawn. You oh. never seem to go to sleep. I don't remember seeing you ever not here. Oh, when you reach my age, you learn that you've slept enough. Mm. I've slept for years, really, if you add it all together. Mm. Now there's only so much time left. Why waste it sleeping? I suppose you have a point there. If you have time to talk, you have time to serve. So there's an apron there if you have uh, an availability before your first appointments. I certainly do. So Nikola wanders behind the counter and puts the apron on. He has a hard time adjusting it sometimes. Yeah. Still tenderly, like even even bandaged such as you are, mm -hmm. like your arm where Nox's blade shattered your shield into pieces and cleaved into your forearm, still stinging as you kind of reach back mm -hmm. around, tie off your, your apron. Imagine some of the ribs just kind of like not liking me, tying it tight around my waist, all that stuff. Gatris watches you with cataract, but incredibly perceptive eyes. Great. Less so in the fine details and more so just maybe in just the general motion or uh, mm. you'd be perfectly honest, he's always just been a great judge of individuals. However, he is too polite to ask you anything about your injuries if you're not forthcoming and simply smiles and nods. I won't say anything right now. I don't no. know if it's a good idea. Uh, I was fighting worshippers of Thern, or worship, yeah. worshippers of Asmodeus, followers of Thern. Yeah, well, yeah, this is I the mean, one sure place they... where you can be perfectly honest with what you're up to, and they'd be like, great, carry on. Sounds fun. I mean, true, but I don't necessarily want him to be in trouble for knowing this stuff, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. You take some time, help the old man. He smiles and launches into one of his long-winded stories. Hmm. Yeah, about when he first came here, when the, I don't think I've ever told you how I learned to make my famous cheddar scrambled eggs. No, I don't think you have. It was 4627, and I was a young man. No, it then launches <laughs> into a whole thing. <laughs> like, like, that was a hundred years ago. Just say, good grief. <laughs> <laughs> oh my think god. I don't lived long anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scrambled eggs, that's the secret to a long life. <laughs> yeah, seriously. After about 30 minutes or so, the line has mostly cleared. You hear a door open from the far back. Estrella makes her way out from a back room, turning back, speaking to someone as you see that she's accompanied by the tall, lithe, impeccably dressed figure of Hedman Hayes. They discuss something quiet and in private, seemingly finishing the last of their conversation that they were having in her office. She turns, makes her way over towards the line, gives Gatris a smile and a pat on the shoulder, gives you an inquisitive nod. You're in early, Nicola. Nicola shrugs. I figured I might as well get the jump on the day. I wasn't here yesterday, so... I trust that you had a good weekend? Nothing too crazy or anything, of course, but restful enough and all that. Um, honestly, I've been seeing a lot of uh, Adam and Hayes around here lately. Not that I mind, it's just kind of unusual. He seems to have taken a more direct interest in aiding the society. Hmm. She glances as the uh, the man makes his way past, nods and smiles to a couple of people. Straya watches him go. He lied and told me they had an overabundance of material come in hmm. and said that you have additional blankets to provide us. 
Interesting. Well, I understand. Gatris nods. There are some people who don't think that they can quite abandon their aloof persona to seem like a, a perpetually good person and sometimes must make excuses for the good things that they do. It's easier to say that you have an abundance and hand over things and have people take it from you. Sometimes it's more difficult to simply give out charity out of the goodness of your own heart. People do have their pride, too. Perhaps he just thinks it makes it easier for us. Shreya simply shrugs. It really doesn't make a difference to me about his pride or not. Blankets will keep people warm. It's true. And it will be a cold winter, particularly <sighs> considering the climate of the city. Hmm. This is going to be a hard one, I think. There have been worse. Did I tell you ever about the tail end of the Chelish Civil War? The Asmodeans first came to the city. Oh, that was a time. It then launches into a very <laughs> long-winded story. Excellent. Estrella smiles, gives him a nod. I'll excuse myself before this finishes. I have a great deal of work to do. Oh, yes. She smiles. Gives Gatris another pat on the shoulder. Looks back towards Nicolo. Thank you. For what? She just nods towards the uh, the brilliantly pink apron that you're wearing. <laughs> I mean, it's stylish. You're changing a lot of minds around here. Mm. I'm just glad to be able to help. It's slow going, but I think people recognize it. Mm. As, as I've said before, anything worth doing is worth taking time to do it. You can't rush things. That's no. the second rule to my famous scrambled eggs. <laughs> <laughs> but what if I put the heat on twice as hot, but for half as long? That works, right? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that is exactly how math and cooking works. Yes. Science! You finish serving breakfast. I imagine help Gatris clean up. It's approaching about close to about nine o'clock by that point, which gives you enough time to finish washing your hands. Make your way back to the uh, the small room that you keep here for where you're helping uh, on numerous occasions find various jobs for individuals when you're not actively going out and hunting for places to pe get people jobs. I have like a little office. Well, you've got your uh, your tiny uh, office is a bit of an exaggeration, mm -hmm. actually. It's really well, a br broom closet. Yeah. <laughs> you share it with the janitor. You make your way to the cubby under the stairs. Okay, cool. <laughs> Since Nicolo's so polite, he chooses the side where the stairs are, so he just kind of crouches behind a tiny little desk. Yeah. Like, uh, so like Mr. Incredible in his cubicle. Oh, wow. You probably... <laughs> that just reminds me of so many cubicles I've had over the years. Oh, my gosh. Uh, like I'm, I'm connecting awful. on a deeper level with my character now. <laughs> Especially when none of the furniture fits, so all the chairs are too small, and the yes, desk's too short. It's the oh worst. my worst. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. I'll try not to put too much drama into too that. Too much myself. Yes. <laughs> you make your way in, settle in. Again, you only have a first couple of individuals come in. Uh, this time of year, a number of people have either already found secure jobs, or there are still, sadly, a number of people in the Red Roof District in Devil's Nursery that either don't ever trust the idea of the Hoof Society, mm. the people that are under the impression that it's secretly a front for some sort of government business to mm. keep tabs on the Tiflings or the people mm -hmm. who are concerned about, okay, well, if I go there, you know, nothing's ever free. They're going to yeah. expect something back from me. And again, unfortunately, as much as uh, you've taken steps, you've made headway in improving your reputation. 
there are still some who simply do not trust the name of Niccolo Ita. It's true. You speak to three people in the morning, sitting and twiddling your thumbs in between appointments, rolling your silver raven figurine back and forth between your fingers, <laughs> wondering what your uh, your friends are getting up to. Mm. Resist the urge to send them a raven that just says, sup. <laughs> I was about to say, I mean, Lucia, we got the stuffing knocked out of her in that last fight. I hope she's doing okay. So Yeah. Still recovering from her, her concussion. I mean, she was pretty brave. I'll give her that. I mean, it was also the axe in the shoulder, you know. Yeah. yeah maybe it doesn't help. She was unconscious for well over that. That's, that's always the thing in movies time. where, yeah, it's mm. always the thing in movies where, like, every plan involves punching somebody out and then being unconscious for a certain period of time or something. It's like, if you're unconscious for any period of time, it's a really bad thing. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, not if it was good. not for magical healing, Lucia would definitely be messed up. Yeah. Mm. But you talk to a trio of individuals in the morning, getting some general information, hoping that you can find them something decent. Uh, in one of their cases, they do have fishing experience. So you're like, I could probably find something there. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, your default for the longest time was the Salic Salt Works. But yeah, they, they're they still not really doing anything right now, are they? No, no. Unfortunately. I assume it's an active crime scene, so probably not. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, how long has it been since we've been there? I think it's been a, like a week or two now. I think it's still. been like two or three weeks, actually. Yeah, it's yeah. been a couple of weeks. So hopefully soon, but yeah. yeah. You're beginning to consider lunch. I'm always considering lunch. <laughs> <laughs> your apple, your one piece of bread under the apple or on top of the apple, whichever you preferred, as well as your uh, your scrambled eggs this morning, which is basically what you could scrape from the bottom after you'd finished helping everyone else. Mm -hmm. Not quite satiating you before there is a polite triple rap at the door. Um, you don't have to knock. You can just come in. It's fine. The door opens. A woman sticks her head in. Just being polite. I appreciate it. Um, do I recognize her at all? Absolutely not. Very well. <laughs> the woman is a tiefling, unsurprisingly. I mean, it'd be really weird if she wasn't. It'd be, I mean, it'd be honestly surprising if it was someone else. I was about to say, we don't really like <laughs> kick out other people, but it is oh, one no. of those things that like people don't generally stick their nose in here if they're well, not yeah, the, a Well, yeah, the Cloven Hoof Society also aids a number of uh, halflings and such that live in the devil's nursery area, which are usually those that are either too afraid to live anywhere elsewhere else in the city, possibly mm. because of their status or yeah. maybe worried about being reported. Yeah. However, that is not the case with this woman, although she is rather short. Mm. You would say that she stands maybe just a, just a hair over five feet tall. Her skin is a dark shade of blue, almost but not quite purple, and a shade that you understand is possible for Typhlings, but is extraordinarily uncommon. Hmm. A pair of ram-like horns sprout from just behind her hairline and curl around her ears on either side of her head. Mm, so more like a ram. Yeah, basically like full on, like a full ram's horn, like do a once full curve and the points are pointing back again. Okay, yeah. Her eyes are a blazing shade of yellowish orange. Beyond that, she wears clothing that immediately puts her apart from anyone else you standardly deal with. It can only really be described as a pressed black attire, almost a suit, hmm. a black jacket, black pants tucked into nearly knee high boots with a sash held tight around her waist. And you can just see the, the barest protruding edge of the hilt of a dagger from behind her back. The woman glides in with unearthly grace and shuts the door behind her. Uh, welcome. Thank you. You are Nicola Ita. 
Yes, that is that is me. <laughs> Unfortunately. Uh, how can I help you? Unfortunately, how? Mm, oh, just a little joke I like to say to myself. Don't worry about it. You have a sense of humor. <laughs> I've been told that. I've been told it's not a very good one, but I do have one. She smiles, revealing large pointed canines before she strides over and slides into a chair, again in one fluid, constant motion. That okay. kind of reminds you of the way that cats transition from walking to lying in one single gesture. Why am I suddenly feeling like this is like Maltese Falcon, like she's with her towel <laughs> coming into the detective's office? <laughs> Nicolo actually has like Nicolo Ita written in like... <laughs> it's like etched a, in the a, glass. On the window etched in the glass. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just There's glass. like a few, yeah. Yeah. He sits down his... Uh, his glass of bourbon cigar still smoking in its tray except in my <laughs> case it's more water than bourbon but you know you gotta yeah. get what you can afford it's true it's just mm. apple juice it just yeah, yeah it really it really is <laughs> I Nicholas can't afford played by Marlon Brando. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bubblegum cigar too i can't afford <laughs> the real thing <laughs> wow yeah i know right the woman settles in folds her hands and her laps crosses her legs watches you for a long moment. So are you in need of job services? Um, I can help place you somewhere if that is what you're looking for. The opposite. Not the exact opposite, but the opposite. You want to be removed from a job? <laughs> it's like, what's the wittiest comeback I can find with that? No, I'm quite happy in my employ. Oh, well, I mean, I was about to say I can give you tips on being fired, but um, I wouldn't recommend using Nicolo them. says thinking that all the times he's intentionally got himself fired. <laughs> uh, yes, intentionally. Uh, <laughs> You're a very awkward man, Nicolo Ita. I am, yes. Uh, sorry, you know what, let, let's try this again. What, what were you here for? Valsta. Vals if we're trying this again, Valsta is my name. Ah, that's a very good point. Nicola types that up on his computer. Alsta, anyway. <laughs> May I call you Nicola? Certainly. I'm in need of assistance, and I understand that you are an individual who can provide such. Right. Always happy to help. I mean, what did you need help with? I am in the employ of an extraordinarily generous individual. Mm. Uh-oh, she works for one of the nobles. Okay. That sounds very nice. Um, I am in need of a dozen, perhaps a baker's dozen, if you will, individuals to aid me in an upcoming, let's just simply say, gala. You have questions. Nicolo steeples his fingers. I'm taking it you're not referring to dancing and perhaps being a guitar player in the background or something. No, I need more along the lines of something like waitstaff. Okay. Capable, punctual, reliable. She leans forward and steeples her fingers in a, in a gesture almost mocking of yours and discreet. My mistress would prefer to work with you. Your mistress? Yes, the very generous individual of which I referenced earlier. And I'm assuming that I do not get the privilege of knowing her name. I may give it to you if you so wish. Uh, yes, that would be great, please. She offers you a pearly smile. My mistress's name is Mantis Kaliki. I feel like perhaps I should know who this individual is, but I don't, if I have to be honest with you. 
Are you native of Kentargo, Mr. Ita? Nicola. As far as I know. As far as you know. The exact place I was born, I'm not sure of, but I've lived here all my life. I sympathize. I'm an orphan as well. Mm. And was in a very similar situation to many of the people here. She leans back into the chair, glances back towards the door as if looking back out towards the common room, struggling day to day, attempting to make my way in the world. That is, of course, until I met my mistress. Mentis mm. Kaliki is not from the city of Kentargo. I've traveled here, from Fire. Fire is, um, is it in Ravenel or? It is in Ravenel. It's actually further yeah. up the way from here. Uh, go ahead and make me a, I think geography also falls under society now. And she came all the way down here. That's weird. I mean, who knows how long ago that was. You have a passing knowledge of the city of fire. Mm. Don't necessarily need to give you the secret information on this since, you know, it is just you. Yeah. Uh, Vire is an independent city located north and west of the city of Cantargo, maybe about 80 miles away up the coast. It's technically Cantargo's closest neighbor. Uh, it's actually closer than the city of Nisroch, which is over in Nidal. Mm. Vire is commonly referred to as the City of Masks and is located on Vire Island in Nisroch Bay. Uh, it's a sprawling city actually larger than Cantargo, boasting a population about 25% more than the city of Cantargo does. It is a strange place as far as you're, what you're familiar with. It is ruled by a number of kings and queens. The kings and queens are basically responsible for ensuring the peace and balance of the city, although they're also never known whom they are. Oh, so they're kind of like the Decemberate? Like, they just wear masks all the time? But they are known to, uh, to more or less, like, run the city and are also in charge of the Mask of Vire, which are basically the city's kind of guard, although they're almost more like mercenary private enforcers. Hmm. It is a chaotic place. From what you understand, the entirety of the city is actually run by th only five laws, referred to as the Promises. Although you don't, off the top of your head, know what these laws are. Eh. I mean, that's quite a ways to come for a gala. Is it to be Envire, or is it going to be local? It will be Envire. A banquet, if you will. My mistress... Miss Kaliki is in charge of Fire's opal market. If you have not been to the city, I would highly suggest it. It is the largest market there. Hmm. You can find anything there. Anything. That's <laughs> creepy, man. You That's find not a good place, man. There, like, uh. <laughs> she is also the city's primary diplomat, if you will. Hmm. She and I have recently arrived in the city. She has business with your new Lord Mayor introductions, if you will. Uh, I, however, have been instructed to aid her. My mistress is oftentimes referred to in our home city as the Queen of Delights. Hmm. Sounds like a fancy title to me. She is intending on throwing a, a gala, a, a banquet, to impress many of the important individuals, guests, and residents of the City of Fire. So why come to me for the hiring? I'm not the only headhunter in town. You are not. However, my lady, and to a degree, myself, Nicolo, am somewhat interested by the idea of this cloven hoof society. You can tell that we have at least something in common. She does a gesture to herself. <laughs> Nicolo nods in agreement, but doesn't say anything. As does my mistress, as she shares a similar heritage to the two of us. I see. However, unlike in this city, 
Vire has a certain degree of upward mobility that Cantargo lacks for people like us. My mistress was moved by the stories that she'd heard of the Clovenhoof Society. And so sent you here to see if they were true or not. Precisely. Go ahead and roll me a secret perception, if you will. I was actually just about to ask for one. <laughs> I was going to say, I was like, there's something fishy here. I don't Like, it seems on, su- like, it's one of those things that, like, it seems too good to be true. Exactly. But maybe... Like- Maybe I'm just being too paranoid, but you well, never know. Well, Paranoid Adventurer says you're going to a town 80 miles away to go find some people. Those people aren't coming back. Mm. As far as your perception is concerned, no. Much as the implication of the name of that city implies, this is a woman very used to her masks. She gives you a smile, which doesn't ever quite reach her eyes, mm. and waits knee over the other knee, hands folded on the top of her knees in an extraordinarily business-like manner. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a secondary motive at the very least going on here. It's just a question of what it might be. Yeah. So what sort of uh, qualifications are you looking for for these employees? People who can surf. If they have experience, that would be preferable. Although we do have some time before the banquet begins. And so if they would be willing to learn, I would be happy to instruct them. I learned mm-hmm. myself amongst much. There's the first break in her cold demeanor as she looks to the side, less generous mistresses. They will be well taken care of while they are there, fed and housed, and then provided the full sum of their payment upon the completion of the banquet. They will be expected to act cordially and politely, as there will be many movers and shakers. I am uncertain if you know individuals that this applies to, but we do need people with very, how to say, selective hearing. Mm. So, the the more close the lips, the better. I'm taking it. If they could ignore that they've heard anything altogether, that would be best. So, as far as uh, details with payment, we can work that out in a contract. Absolutely. But uh, as far as the length of the contract, I mean, you said that they would be taken care of until such time as the gala ends. When does the gala begin? When does it end? The gala will take place over the course of one night. Very well. The specific time, I cannot inform you, as my mistress has not settled upon it. Unfortunately, your Lord Mayor's, let us simply say, eccentric proclivities have led to a disruption in port travel Mm. through your city. This has meant that certain individuals that my mistress would be most interested in having in Vire are currently delayed. It could be a month, it could be two months. However, they will receive on-site training. They will receive room and board while doing so. And I can negotiate a flat rate increase to their payment on a week-to-week basis. Mm. My mistress is, let us simply say, unnecessarily wealthy. I (laughs) cannot imagine what that would be like. Nor can I. Hey, even having witnessed it, it is somewhat difficult to wrap one's mind around. I'm just imagining this, like, mysterious lady in a mask going Scrooge McDuck into a pool of money. (laughs) (laughs) If you are concerned about how these individuals will be treated, I can guarantee you their safety and their comfort. My mistress has, in her time, been in a situation also similar to mine and perhaps yours. She found her situation changed through her own cunning and ability. 
I will not go into details. Of course. It sounds reasonable. I will ask, of course, for one condition. Absolutely, Nicola. I would like to be able to stay in contact with at least one of the employees over the course of their stay. Could that be arranged? I would say that the fee for the messenger will need to come out of your share. That's fair. Then I would happily arrange it. They'll be staying at my mistress's home, Cobweb Manor. Oh, come on, really? <laughs> Cobweb Manor? Oh my oh. god. Might as well call it Gothy McGoth Castle. I know, I'm like, Jeez. seriously, I'm like, this woman is gonna be like some like lady spider. <laughs> I, lo I mean, I love it, don't get me wrong. Like, this is great, it's just. <laughs> the manor house overlooks the Opal Market. All right. I serve as my mistress's majordomo. Mm. You may address the letters to me, and I will give you my word that no eyes except for those whom the letter is intended for will look upon it. Uh, I'd like to roll sense motive one more time, if I may. may. Although she's got a heck of a poker face. I mean, she might very well, um, but... There's you know, an I feel on every die. I mean, there's also a nat one on every die, but, you know. Positivity, Ross. Positivity. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> You're given the impression that she is telling the truth. But there is a certain amount of an impression there that she is more telling the truth because she's not actually concerned about what you write or what these people would write. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's good enough for me. Th that seems like a, I, it really doesn't matter. I mean, if this makes you feel better, great, but I'm just here for, yeah. the, for the folks. Like, that's fine. So, all right. Then with that condition and those terms, let's work out the rest of the contract. Absolutely. An hour or so passes. What? We don't want to go into the minutia of how to make a, an employment contract? <laughs> yeah. Just pull out my paperwork here and lay this out here. So, I was okay, so say, exactly what? There, do you have a template that you're yeah. using? <laughs> what references do you have for these people? No. Mm. <laughs> there is a certain amount of, not necessarily cat and mouse that goes on here, but there is a certain amount of give and take back and forth with this woman that makes you somewhat uncomfortable. You think perhaps in largest part due to the fact that she is very willing to not negotiate. It's you name the starting highball price and she just goes for it. Oh, that's so suspicious. It's again, there doesn't seem to be. I mean, it's quite possible that again, her mistress, as she calls her, is so. It's just truly very generous or just. Well, and unnecessarily wealthy to where who cares? <laughs> yeah, just like, I mean, yeah, that's fine. As long as it's not like a million gold each, then whatever, you know, just go with it. It's that thing, though, where she just accepts the price and you're like, could I have asked for more? Probably. Yep. <laughs> she does add some stipulations on there, hmm. including a number of requirements pertaining towards that, of course, they are not citizens of Ire, they are citizens of Contargo. However, there is an understanding there that if the individual should violate any of the laws of the city of Vire while they are present, uh, that they will be detained in Vire, mm. amongst some others. Uh, she also does provide you uh, with a list of Vire's promises. That would be good, so that way I can make sure people know ahead of time. I was going to say, yeah, you got to know, you got to get the handbook so you know what you're you know, not supposed to do. If it sounds like it's, there's only five things you're not supposed to do. Yep. It's really more less of a handbook and more of a leaflet, but yes. I mean, yeah, I love I love a society that's like, there's basically these five things you don't do and you can do whatever you want past that. Anything well, especially goes. considering that the, the longest of their promises, the longest of their laws is seven words. Whoa. Dude, I can get behind a simple legal system, right? 
She writes this out for you. The law is simply being, one, I shall honor all coin. Two, I shall speak many names. Three, I may wound yet shall not kill. <laughs> all right. You can beat people up as long as you don't kill them. Okay. Four is I know none are below me. All right. And like five that. is I shall let closed doors remain closed. Snitches get stitches. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling most of the tieflings here could probably accept I those know, terms. right? They're like, wow, that's easy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, in essence, what these translate to, as you would be willing to explain them to you, are that uh, I shall honor all coin means that all transactions are assumed final and binding and all prices are negotiable. The second being I shall speak many names, meaning that all people should accept any name given by a person of fire, regardless of its veracity and without ever revealing a person's identity if they conceal it. Oh, okay. nice. Yeah. Three is I may wound yet shall not kill, which requires that people let their enemies in fire live in order to give them a chance to avenge themselves. Ah. What? All right. I, I love the justification for that. It's not because murder is wrong. It's because we got to give them a chance to get you get you back. Yeah. Vengeance. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Four is I know that none are below me, which means it discourages all forms of prejudice and discrimination. Yeah. I, I mean, nice. sounds good. And the last is, I shall let closed doors remain closed, meaning all private secrets and acts must remain private, and any broken promises are assumed to be intact unless sufficient evidence is provided. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Yep. Give it to Paizo to find a very interesting legal system. As a side note, each of the promises has a corresponding uh, monarch responsible for its enforcement, hmm. which are the five kings and queens of fire. Oh. oh, okay. That's how that works. So, like, they hear the complaints of people that are like, oh, this person, you know, didn't speak many names. Mm. Or yeah. this person killed me. Yeah, this, person, this person killed somebody. Okay. Yeah, this person killed someone and didn't let that person then subsequently have a chance to get vengeance and all the rest of that so stuff. So, here's the question If I was extremely petty, could I kill somebody and then raise them? Like, return them back to life, not like raise them as an undead. Yeah. So they could get their vengeance. Would that be chill? I think you'd still be guilty of the, the murder. Of the killing? Yeah. Yeah, probably. I mean, that seems fair. Yep. Now I'm just hunting for loopholes. Well, especially if, like, <laughs> you know, like, you got caught halfway through. It was like, oh, no, I was totally about to, like, bring him to a priest. It's fine. It's fine. Don't even worry about it. I know it. the ritual, I swear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they all say, Sonny. Yeah. It's like, but yeah. I was really going to do it. I've got the diamonds and everything. Yes. From your understanding, Vire is basically a, uh, it has a mutual relationship with Chiliax, but is largely exempt from many of its laws. Mm. I mean, it seems like it if they have a whole separate set of laws. Yeah. In large part due to the fact that it has a constantly rotating leadership. Mm. As in like the king and queens are just, they rotate out regularly. Like they're not. Oh, because no man is below me. You can't have somebody who has a position of authority for very long, right? Um, or at the very least, they have to treat everyone from beggar to king or queen kind of as close to an equal. Huh. Interesting. Upon finishing this discussion, Valsta signs the document. Again, having recently learned their rules, you're not entirely positive if Valsta is in fact her name. She also does not sign a last name on there. Very well, Nicola. I hope that this is the first of many interactions. Sounds great. Uh, it was great to meet you. Uh, I do hope that uh, the employees work out well for you. Be sure to fill out their evaluations, of course, before they return. <laughs> We're... We're a five-star company here. We're expecting all fives. <laughs> oh, wow. Um. She stands to her feet, makes her way to the door, does that thing where she, in a way that seems natural, again, just the, well, almost her supernatural grace, but she places her hand on the door in that pregnant pause 
one last thing sort of way. Oh no, she's going to Columbo me. Before she looks back over her shoulder, a final question. Shoot. I did check on a number of headhunters in the city until I heard your name come up. There's a certain reputation attached to you. You're not wrong. Are you still in other businesses beyond headhunting? Oh! Niccolo shudders for half a second. Not as much anymore. I understand. She offers you that pearly white too big smile. And that wasn't really a no. (laughs) If, however, you should find that your mind has changed. I have a very generous employer. I can see that. I will let you know if my mind does change. And good luck. Good luck to you. She inclines her head, opens the door, and then slips out, closing the door in one almost unnaturally fluid motion. I think Nicolo like almost feels the pressure off of him after all of that. Just like, <laughs> what just happened? Reaches for his bourbon, grabs his bubblegum cigar. <laughs> Forgets that it's just apple juice. Starts drinking it. Uh, I should have let this ferment for a while. <laughs> I mean, technically, he is part of a rebellion, so that might be, you know... I know, some... I was sitting there, and I was like, a very generous generous donor who isn't from the city. Mm, that sounds great for funding <laughs> our rebellion. Yeah. <sighs> All right. I guess next I head to the fishmongers. <laughs> you go put up the, uh, the help wanted poster for this job. I have a feeling it's going to fill up pretty quickly. I mean, I'm sorry, free room and board and and you get to travel to an exotic locale? Sign me up, right? Honestly, traveling even like 80 miles down the road at this point is like, uh, screw it, you know? This is further I mean, you're going to a whole new city home. with a whole new set of laws. That sounds yeah. fancy. Yeah. going to be yeah. part of a fancy party. I mean, mind you, it's not just, uh, well, I mean, you can't travel down a road. You have to go by boat to it because it is on an island. But It is true. Mm. Gotta be on a boat, own entire you know? Island. It's true. You can be on a boat. It's actually a little closer. I think about 65 miles away. I mean, still, that's like if you've only ever lived in the city, that's like forever away. Yeah, it's probably 80 miles if you're hugging the coast the entire time. But Nicola, you go about your daily business. Time passes. The sun crawls its way across the sky, makes its way to the far horizon, away from Argo Island, where the central portion of Cantargo is, back onto the mainland. Lucia, you finish a long day at work it's good work in so much as you're actually paid okay um you're not entirely positive what the pay rate should be for you but you think that's the best part is i basically walked in and is like hey i can be your etiquette coach and they're like what do you want for your salary and you're like what's that (laughs) (laughs) what's a salary does that go in salad what's going on (laughs) that's where the salad is made in the salary yeah yep (laughs) But you leave the Grey House, literally called the Grey House most of the time, simply because it is a large freestanding Grey building in the Villagree District, located down the way from Villagree Park, down past uh, Lady Decora School for Girls. Today was trying to say the least, in large part because, again, you are an etiquette coach. You are also helping with the general, like, these are the requirements for, like, more or less anything someone would need to know for noble servants. However, you have never done technically serving part of this. Yup. And so today when it's just like, this is how you help your lady don her petticoat. It's like, oh God. All right, I'm going to stand here and you put the petticoat on me and I'll tell you if you do it wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, that's probably exactly how Lucia does it. It's like, pretend I'm the noble. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, as we have established previously, your boss is uh, exacting is a good word for it. Yep. The nobles demand perfection. Mr. Poole, who I have uh, decided that is his name. Ah, Mr. Poole. Is exceedingly exact when it comes to his expectations of the, uh, the ladies and gentlemen that come to work here, since each of them in their own way, as he often likes to remind everyone, when you go forward and you work, you're not only representing yourself, you're representing me. Oh, I hate people like that. Oh, yep. gosh. Lucia is just like, uh, <laughs> she missed a pool. Yep. Uh, but considering that the uh, the Delarange are looking for a new second footman. Ooh. Basically a footman that works under the other footman. Footman too. Oh, he's the, the, he's the backup, Underfoot. the understudy footman. I got yes, it. Yes, he's the understudy, <laughs> understudy footman for the other footman. Yes. <laughs> Or as I like to call him, the underfootman. The underfootman. Ah. <laughs> this is the things that go through Lucia's head as she's trying yep. to get through this crap. Every day she's like, <laughs> <laughs> jokes. You finish off your day. Travel across the uh, the city streets. Again, you've uh, now, all things considered, you've spent a great deal of time away from the greens, out in the city, out with the, the grounded people, people of Cantargo. Salt of the earth. Yeah, the salt of the earth. A little less people. salt now that we shut down the salt works. Yeah. Well, you know. That uh that common people song starts playing in the background. <laughs> <laughs> However, Villagree is of course different from, well, much of the rest of Kentargo in large part because it is still it is the step down and just the barest step down from the greens. So again, it's all upper middle class around here and students and professors. As you make your way through the city streets back towards your apartment, you pass by a number of students making their way in and out of Alabaster Academy. Uh, once you think you see Vittoria, although in large part it's because that seems to be the way Vittoria walks and has her nose buried so far in a book that you're fairly certain only Vittoria would still be studying with the dying light of the setting sun as she makes her way off towards the northern portion of the city. And is agile enough not to be bumping into everybody while she's doing it. Yep. Mm, true. You eventually arrive at your home. The Orn House is a rather nice place to live, all things considered. It is a comfortable living accommodation for most of the people who live here. And as you make your way up, it is one of those places that actually has like a doorman. Uh, however, you don't actually make your way up towards the front door. Oh, no. Instead, <laughs> head around, make your way in through the, the serving entrance. You know, nod to a couple of the people back there. Uh, there's a nice serving girl here, Jenna, who provides you with uh, some rolls that we took care of cooking and all the rest of that stuff earlier. It's one of those places where the ground floor is kind of the the landlord's home. Mm. And it is common for them ah. to actually like cook for the various tenants. However, you don't necessarily pay enough to be included on that part. As you make your way up the servant stairs, up to the second floor, the third floor the fourth floor, the fifth floor, down a short hallway on the fifth floor that runs along the back of that, climb the final set of stairs that leads to the small but comfortable living quarters in what counts as the attic part of the gamble-roofed home. It's like has the uh, the exposed beams and the sloping ceiling up and everything <laughs> else again. And Lucia looks out of the tiny little porthole window and dreams of better days. It's a, it's a gamble window, yeah. You just you make your way over there, you... Again, it's uh, you get home. Like I said, you're not necessarily paying quite enough to like live exceptionally comfortable. Although it's it's always warm. There's a small like stovepipe fireplace here that keeps it rather warm whenever you need it to be. And the best part, nobody comes to visit. Yeah, no one comes to visit or anything like that. 
you have your bed here, which you've only recently got. You've got your collection of things. Uh, you have your your one old teapot that Laria gave you, and a couple of uh, bags of various coffees that Laria has given you as kind of a, a home warming present since you're moving out on your own. Mm. So basically, it, it's my first bachelor pad. <laughs> yeah, basically. A single potted plant that droops lazily from where you've hung it near the uh, the one window here. Just kind of make yep. your way in. Um, I'm sure I think uh, technically like Rexus and uh, Vittoria both provided you with some books to help you like understand life outside of this. So. <laughs> okay. I love that she pulls out the basic cooking for dummies book. Yeah, That's think, sitting think, right next to like basic accounting for your home for dummies, basic yeah. cleaning for dummies. <laughs> I think Victoria provided you at some point with a book on laws. I'm wanting to say I, I did. Can't remember. I did yeah. study the book on laws. I do know some laws. Yeah. So, I mean, that's sitting off towards the side. And uh, Rex has provided you a kind of a slice of life book. So, you know, a little bit more about like regular. It's called uh, <laughs> provided you with a copy of Lock, Stock and Bookkeeper, which you keep uh, off towards the side. <laughs> But who wrote the book of love anyway? Uh, <laughs> oh my goodness. You make your way in. I suppose kick off your shoes. Kind of turn around to shut your front door. And by front door, it's just the door that leads into the tiny little hallway area off the servant stairs that leads up to here. Before you notice that a letter has been slid under the door. Huh. Well, it must be important. They walked up five flights of stairs. I'll go pick <laughs> it up. Picking this up, opening it. The letter is short and written in a familiar hand. Uh, stating simply, I have news. See me in the coffee shop after closing. It's signed with a large stylized L. Oh, oh, all right. It's just Laria. Okay. Well, I guess you'll like look down at the shoes she just took off. Look over at the bed that has not made itself. <sighs> go pull my boots back on. <laughs> well, I mean, you weren't wearing boots. You were wearing your proper oh, sleeve. My, you're, sorry, yes. You're in the full black and white Downton oh, gosh, Abbey I outfit forgot. right yeah, now. Yeah, no, I've got to change out of this like horrible like, you know, petticoats and like dress and stuff. Her work attire. She switched, mm. she switched back to like pants, boots, like a nice blouse, like... It's me every day. I get home from the office and I'm just like dress shirt off, find the path t-shirt on. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. The, 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 apparently the gray house doesn't have changing rooms where I can change out of that uniform. So I have to wear it through the streets. Mm-hmm. Well, no, they don't want you walking in the front door looking like a slob. <laughs> anyway. But I have my everybody's boyfriend shirt on available <laughs> now at findthepath.com. That's right. I don't know if that one's available right now. No, but it's not. Oh, goodness. So. What, does, <laughs> do, what does Lucia's work attire look like, everybody? I'll leave it up to the artists who are listening. <laughs> I said, just watch an episode of Downton Abbey, and you know exactly what this looks like. <laughs> just your <laughs> yeah, exactly. standard black and white. Just, just imagine Lucia being like, mom, mom. You, I imagine, get dressed. Uh, watch out the window a couple of times. The sky is turning a distant shade of red, barely visible through the overhanging clouds. By the time that you reach back downstairs, you just give a nod to the other servants whom you're starting to really kind of identify with more than the actual tenants in this place. Ah, I'm coming down to earth. Hopefully not as a meteor. Before, yeah, splat. (laughs) Before you set off making your way, you navigate through the Villager District. The sun setting in the distance, kind of keeping the the mental track. It's like, okay, so... You know, it takes me about 20, 25 minutes to get over there if I'm just walking regularly. So if I get there, I can stay there for an hour, hour and a half max. Then I need to turn around and come back so I can get back before curfew. Uh, again, unlike Nicolo, probably 
a little self-consciously veering away any time that you see the regular patrols of Datari in the filigree district. I was going to say, being the nice side of town, there are actually guard patrols here. Yeah. That being said, you are glad that you're not across the the river on Argos Isle where, you know, if you're in Old Cantargo or Jarvis End or God help you, the castle district anywhere near where the Hell Knights are. Yeah. You're at least far enough away from there. Mm. That you fortunately don't see any of the black spiked armored sentinels of law. Don't want to run into Ramos. That'll just be awkward. Yeah. He'll be like, you're keeping your nose clean. And I'll be like, yep, totally. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Squeaky. In short order, I imagine having probably donned your uh, your weapon as you made your way out the door, just in case you run into trouble, considering how late it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, sorry, a single lady out on the streets, even close to dark? Yes, I've got, like, not only do I have my rapier, I've got my dagger, too. Mm. You stick to the major streets. Again, while crime is extraordinarily low in Villagree, there's still no need to cut through the Villagree Park let alone having to take sight of the platform that they've erected there for public excruciations, which fortunately haven't really seemed to have started yet. Oh, okay. All right. I was like, are they still doing that? And we just haven't been noticing because that makes me feel bad. Well, I mean, there have been some excruciations, although those are mostly like, this is a person that has, you know, committed actual crimes as opposed to this is just a typhoon. Like hor- actual horrible people, not just like rebellious dissidents. Even though I'm sure it's still that whole like, we don't agree with excruciations because it's basically torture. Oh, well, mm. yeah, of course. You know, a lot of cases, this isn't even dog housing. It's just like pillaring and things like that. Cruel and unusual punishment. Basically True. things that we're not necessarily for, but we're not at the point yet where we can necessarily spare resources to intervene in. Yeah, yeah. Arriving at the Long Roads Coffee House, you make your way around to the side door. The entrance that honestly you think you've walked through more times than you've walked to the front door of this place. Sounds about right. Rap on the door. There's the uh, the sound of a stool being moved before the little isolate opens up, closes again. The stool is moved back, and then you glance down to see as Laria opens up the door for you and gestures you in. I will slip inside, doing doing one of those like surreptitious looks to make sure nobody's seeing me come in here. One of those obvious stereotypes. It's, it, yeah, it's like it's the things in the movies, right? Like you do mm. that look, but you're doing that look in such an obvious way that everybody knows that you're doing the look. You're just nonchalantly leaning with one shoulder against the she wall. Just that thing where she's like, she has like a big old stretch, looks down mm. the street. Oh, nobody's there. Cool. Done with my stretch now. In we go. Hey. <laughs> you have to make it dramatic. People in the back won't notice. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, Lucia probably overacts on instinct. Laurie nods as you enter, smiles, shuts the door behind you. You can see that the serving staff are in the process. They've already picked up the various chairs, flipped them up on top of the tables. It's always impressive considering that they have an all halfling wait staff, and most of these tables are above their heads, so it'd basically be the equivalent of you picking up a chair and then putting it on top of a bookshelf. Hmm. That's a fun image. They're strong. Yeah. Very strong. Laurie gives you a smile. I'm glad you could make it tonight. Well, yeah, I mean, you said you had news. I assume it's good news. It's news. I need you to come with me. Lucia gives her that look like, uh-oh, and then follows her. She gives you a look, glances once about the uh, the various serving staff here, which she has made a point to make sure that her waiters and waitresses are in no way affiliated with anything else that's going on in this business. I mean, mm. that's fair to them because they yeah. will get it worse than all of us. She leads you forward, probably surprisingly to you, past the door into the storeroom where the ladder would lead down into the cellar and instead back into her office. She shuts the door behind her, climbs up the ladder and opens up the, the trap door on the top and then leads you upstairs into the actual living area 
which you've only been like twice before. Wait, you mean where Rexus was hiding out when we first like he was staying with Laria? Yes. Huh. Okay. Following her up the ladder, uh, which again, I think I mentioned at the time, it is somewhat difficult because the rungs are actually spaced for someone three feet tall. So it's you know, a little bit. Yeah. You're just like, I, I guess I'll skip like four at a time. Yeah. You climb up the top. She lights a lantern since the sun is set in full now and then leads you over towards the door back to her bedroom of which she opens and then makes her way in. Laria's room's a very comfortable-looking affair. A large bed occupies a fair portion of this room. Uh, again, there's a set of steps that leads up to it because it is a full-size, human-sized bed. In oh, fact, dang. it's about the size of yours back when you were back at your home. It is a, It would be the equivalent of like you sleeping on a room-sized bed. <laughs> I, I mean, Living you're selling it to me. Yeah. Apparently, the coffee <laughs> business is very good to Laria. <laughs> it's true. I mean, to, if you're going to splurge on all of your ill-gotten gains, splurge where nobody's going to ever come look. Well, and you, I, I almost guarantee you that even though, like, I imagine that the transition or the translation of uh, the core rulebook rules and uh, both in first edition and second edition Pathfinder, it's like, it's like these items weigh half as much, but they cost the exact same. Probably applies to everything. So like halfling beds cost the same as human beds. So you might as well just get the human bed. So it's like you might as well just it. get the human. I'm sure there's like, yeah. oh, we offer a 10% discount for half the material that we're saving on. It's like, you know what? I'll just I'll just take the gigantic bed. Yeah, that just sounds <laughs> And if nothing nicer. else, you, if you ever had to move, you can like take that bed and give it back to the human who comes and buys the place from you. So, you yeah. know, it comes yeah. fully furnished. Well, again, like her bedroom is about 50 feet across. So, I mean, oh my it's a gosh. Well, obviously, Swinky. this was not intended to be a bedroom probably yeah. when it was built. Oh, she's reminds making a bedroom, uh, but it's probably like storage or something. Yeah. Reminds me of the Mitch Hedberg joke. Like, uh, I determine how many bedrooms are in my house. This bedroom <laughs> has a faucet in it. This bedroom <laughs> has a toilet in it. A comfortable looking couch sits off towards the side. Uh, this one, in this case, however, halfling size couch. Uh, with a halfling-sized coffee table and two small chairs opposite of that. Larius sets down the lamp, although there was already a lamp lit in this room, and you notice the second small figure that occupies one of the chairs. Okay. The woman stands to her feet, a woman that you don't recognize, but offers a wide smile as you make your way in. I suppose it's time for introductions then. Lucia, this is, uh, well, Nolly is mostly what she goes by. The woman stands at under three feet tall. She has a mane, a veritable mane of wheat blonde hair, which sits disheveled like someone who's probably been traveling a great deal. Her face is somewhat sunburned, although she easily breaks into a wide smile, and her clothing is so simple as to make her incredibly nondescript. Really, the only thing that truly stands out about her are her brilliantly green eyes that are almost accentuated by the sea of freckles that covers both of her cheeks. The woman gives a broad smile and makes her way forward, extending up a hand. It's nice to meet you. It's nice to meet you, too. So how do you know Laria? Oh, uh, Laria and I are friends. Old Me friends. Me, too. Are you a fellow uh, farmer? No, no, I never got into the uh, farming business, but I do know about it. Well, I'm a, I'm a tiller myself. Interesting. Okay. So do you maybe know about what happened to some of the farmers here in Kentago on the Night of Ashes? I mean, I know a fair amount. Let's just say I'd, uh, I'd had a recent harvest and was, uh, was moving some crops back through the rows whenever I'd heard some sound of, uh, of dogs, if you will, and, uh, and had to make my way back to the barn. Laria holds up a hand. I, 
I honestly think that we can dispense with all the formalities and secret conversations while we're sitting here. <laughs> oh, man, I love yeah. I love it. I don't think anyone's going to overhear you, though, in Laria's office. Like, I mean, it, no, no, not her office, her bedroom. Her bedroom, true, true. Nolly gives her a bit of a look, shakes her head. Laurie's always a bit more of a, a business-minded. Doesn't dive into all the fun of the job. Well, like I said, I'm Nolly. Nolly Peltry. Or at the very least, that's what everyone calls me. Used to be Lucia Serini, now I'm just kind of Lucia. Well, just Lucia. I was hoping to get a chance to speak with you some. We have a mutual friend, Ida, who I assume is uh, who you're talking about. Lucia's, like, entire demeanor changes. Wait, you know where Ida is? No, but I knew where Ida was, which is kind of the same. I mean, that's good enough. That's more than I've That's more than I've got. Well, let's sit down, and uh, Laria made me some hot cocoa. I don't really do coffee, not this late. And I figured we could talk. Sure. So how did you come to know Ida? So Ida and I actually worked together uh, at the Opera House. We were doing some shows together. Um, kind of became friends. Um, you know, she helped me do some stunts and stuff. It was really cool. Uh, so just kind of got to get to know her and then, you know, got to be like best friends. Well, okay then. I've known Ida for a long time. One might say that I'm somewhat responsible for Ida's current situation. How would you be responsible for that? That's Thrun's fault. Well, let's just say I got her into farming. Oh, okay. Laria shakes her head and pours hot cocoa for everyone, settling down in her own chair. <laughs> I like the code words. It makes it feel <laughs> special, like we're spies. <laughs> Ida was working with me on, uh, I think you guys call it the Night of Ashes? Uh, that's what everyone seems to have adopted. Yeah, I mean, the night the throne came in, they burned a lot of places down. People just call it the Night of Ashes. Mm, a lot of our strongholds, our safe houses, our barns, if you will. <laughs> right. Ida was helping me with a number of people, my crop. Unfortunately, my rows were, my secret paths were hmm, compromised. Might be the best way to put it. To be honest, a lot of people had stuff compromised. Anything that was remotely, let's just say not to Thrun's liking, seemed to have all been struck at once. If you get my drift? Mm-hmm. I get exactly what your drift is. So, we had to get out. Unfortunately, that, mean that meant that there wasn't much time to let anyone know about things, and I couldn't take my usual ways out, so we've been on the road for a very long, long, long time. We had to take a very difficult path. Not one of my usual rows. In fact, not a row at all. And I'm guessing it's also probably not a row that got you out of town? Oh no, it got me out of town. It got me way out of town. <laughs> okay. Usually, I run a row from Cantargo up to Magnamar. It's a long, circuitous route, unless I'm taking the water row. That one's a little bit more straightforward, but a little bit more dangerous. However, due to complications, that didn't seem like an option anymore. So I took the south row. Well, more of the east row, but the south of my row. Southeast row? I'm going to go with that. Okay. Basically, we had to go through Nidal and south of the Usquid. I had to skirt all the way around the western borders of Molthoon and then into Nermathus. Whoa. It is wow. a very long journey, about 600 miles or so. So I've unfortunately only just now gotten back after a long trip there and a much shorter trip back. Yeah, I'm like, that's a crazy speed to be moving at. I'm good at getting people where they need to go very quickly. <laughs> okay, so... You've got a new row now. So yep. how does Ida factor into this? 
Once I got there, I knew that I would need to... I couldn't stay, not with what's going on. As Thrun's crackdowns began, as I began to hear stories filtering their way out about the glorious reclamation and the martial law and all the rest of that, I realized that it was going to be more dangerous than ever in Cantargo, and I knew I needed to come back. However, someone needed to make certain that our crop reached its new barn. I had undertook that, and I came back to... Okay. What's the word I'm looking for? She came back to actually appraise the situation here, to try to figure out how bad the situation is and whether or not the Bellflower Network can still operate in Cantargo. Well, I mean, it's uh, not great. Bit of a fixer-upper around here. <laughs> yeah, the barn's a little a, a little uh, under, uh, need, in need of repair, if you get what mm, I'm saying. Yeah. However, Laria has told me that you and maybe some other people are doing what you can. She's being very closed lips pertaining towards it, in large part because I am not involved. My job here is not to fight. Are you familiar with Nolly Peltry? Uh, I not guess me. I can make a... <laughs> like, you may make yes, a society check. Yeah, so I was wish. like, I was like, um, it's <laughs> a good question. Uh, okay, society. I have some of that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hero of the uh, uh, Peltry Fables, right? The children's book. Yeah. Laurie is the one that stuck me with that name. She says stuck. In fact, I think she rather enjoys it. <laughs> oh, like a code name. A code name of a sort. Yeah. Mine's more for the children. Children don't know the difference between a fable and an actual person. So when I show up, it's like I tell them we're going to go on a grand adventure. I tell them that we have to stay quiet to avoid the, the bears that are always hounding Peltry. I tell her that every once in a while that we have to act like raccoons and I'll give them small raccoon hats to convince them to sneak around and follow me through the, the trees in the woods. This is the most adorable thing ever. Oh, my gosh. I do what I can to help them. I fight when I need to fight, but only when I need to fight. Right. And I mean, to be honest, we're more of the, uh, the fighting, not really leaving town kind of organization. I, however, can't just stand by. So I'm going to do what I can to focus on my side of the business. However, I want to make certain that I'm available. And Laria says that you are already trusted in the organization. Ida trusts you. I mean, she trusted me enough to tell me about it. Which is saying something, considering we are a secret organization. Yeah, pretty much. It, that's a secret. Don't tell anyone. <laughs> it's secret that we're secret. <laughs> <laughs> Nully takes a long drink of her cocoa, stares down at it. When Thrun sees power here, I saw our safe houses burn. We knew about it beforehand. Which is incredible, because nobody so far has seemed to notice. We were forewarned when was appointed. The Bellflower Network has eyes and ears everywhere, including oh. in the very palaces of Agorian. Mm -hmm. Well, that would make you the only ones who saw it coming. Unfortunately, our warning arrived hours beforehand. We sent out word. Laria nods, but not soon enough. Fast enough for all of our contacts, but not soon enough to save the archivists. <sighs> yeah. Not soon enough to save the followers of Milani. The Rose of Cantargo, any of them. I suspect, of course, considering what Niccolo has shared with us, that the Rose of Cantargo himself is at the very least, him or herself, is at the very least still active, but... Seems that way. Whoever they are. Unfortunately, when that 
happened, I was forced to watch our structure collapse, and we need a new structure. I am not um, not rebellion material per se. However, I'm more than willing to ally myself and aid you how I can. I've been working on something secretive. Laria rubs her forehead some, <laughs> just sips at her cocoa. <laughs> Nolly's Nolly's full of a lot of ideas. And this is perhaps my most brilliant yet. <laughs> I, I love it. am all ears. And you can't say that it doesn't work because it worked for the Night of Ashes. Hmm. I'll admit that it has some, some practical application as ridiculous as it is. Oh my gosh, I'm so down. So what is Kentargo known for other than salt and silver and marble and opera? <laughs> the chief was about to say opera. She's like, uh, the order of the torrent. I mean, Other she's than not that. wrong. So <laughs> I'm like, I'm not wrong. The ocean breeze. I mean, I guess so. Which is why Kentargo is a famous spot for kite flying. I've created a complex list of colored kites to be flown oh in specific patterns oh to be God. able to share messages across Kentargo. Yes! Using this, as I bring the Bellflower Network in, we can have a nondescript, very easy to follow messaging system to relate between us and the Silver Ravens. I, of course, needed a point of contact, and Laria doesn't seem to be necessarily... I don't have time to memorize a whole bunch of different kite flying patterns. I have a business to run, in addition to people to feed and a rebellion. I mean, she has a rebellion too, but I keep the books. They're more like concurrent rebellions, you know? <laughs> so you want me to learn all these mm -hmm. signals so that I can uh -huh. pass the message around? Yes. I'm so ready. This sounds so much fun. It's not going to be easy. Well, when is anything easy? But it's just like memorizing lines. I appreciate your enthusiasm. So is there like, uh, have you already decided on the symbols? Oh, I've got an entire list to go through with you. Great. Now, the important thing is it can be difficult to communicate sometimes, but it's always windy in Kentargo, that ocean breeze. And so it's easier to do. Plus, it doesn't matter what the sky looks like. There's always someone flying a kite around here. Lucia tries to like think back to like how often do people fly kites around in Kentargo? I believe I've referenced it three times in the you adventure path thus far. Yeah, that's why I'm like, I'm pretty sure this has been foreshadowed. Rick! <laughs> oh, Rick. Uh, that's kites. our Rick. Yep. Also, correct me if I'm wrong, is this based on an actual thing that somebody did? I feel like this well, is I mean, there are actual there are actually like ways to communicate using kites also. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm pretty sure this is a real thing. I'm so I excited. Mean, if nothing else, this is just semaphore flags, except, you know, more. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, except they're flying high in the air, you know? Yeah. I love it. So, I can give you all of that, but of course we're not writing this down anywhere. So I'm going to need you to remember it. Now, I've got some more work that I'm going to have to do. Mostly I'm getting myself kind of settled in back on the island. If Laria has things controlled here, I know a couple of uh, places that I can stay over in Red Roof. I've got a few old friends there. Oh, so do I. So, what we'll need to do, though, are lessons. Have you ever flown a kite? Not really. Like, ever? Okay. I'd say it's easy, but it actually isn't, especially if you're wanting to maneuver them to do specific things. <laughs> but this it is, is something delightful. I can teach you. Lucia's going to learn to fly a kite. 
Something all the little children learned how to do on the streets and she never did because she was <laughs> in her ivory castle. mom was like, no, kites are too free-spirited for my children. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's I like, forbid they, them. They have a will of their own that can't be controlled by law and order. We can't have that. Mom, can I fly a kite? No, but you can make Jeeves fly the kite for you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my uh, gosh. Very good, mom. Yes. <laughs> I like, that, I like that she hires this servant specifically for the kite flying. Like this is yes. this is Jeeves, the kite flying servant. He's mm -hmm. the expert, the kite master, if you will. Yes, yes, the master of the kite. <laughs> oh, this is delightful. This is amazing. So, you get really good wind first thing in the morning. So I'm thinking, first thing in the morning, you get up, you go out, and then you just start flying. I'm going to meet you in Villagree Park, and I can give you some some tips. Uh, ideas, we need to get your form down first, and then we'll start really learning all the maneuvers. Okay. I mean, this <laughs> this is unusual, but this sounds like fun. Well, that's it. Cool. In the meantime, I've got to go see what I can salvage from uh, any of our safe houses, which is probably going to be nothing. But enough time has passed that more likely than not, the guards aren't hanging around there anymore, so I can at the very least look and see if they miss some of our little hidey holes. I mean, hope so, because we did go look through some of that stuff and didn't really find anything, so... Yeah. You know... <sighs> It's quite possible everything's gone then. Oh, well, we didn't know what we were looking for, because honestly, we didn't. Mm. But of course, you know what that means. I get to decorate an entire new safe house. <laughs> yes. Do, do you want to have a, a safe house decorating party? I mean, you're part of the network. You can help me decorate. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. What, what theme are you going for? What are your colors? I've got a lot of ideas. And also... I always like having a human around. That way they can actually put up the curtains and all the rest of that stuff. I know, ridiculous. right? It's going to be so convenient. Yep. Hey, Longshanks, right. I need you again. <laughs> Longshanks, this is the best episode ever, here. everybody. I'm having so much fun. <laughs> all right, so we've got a plan. I'm going to see you first thing in the morning. I'll bring donuts, and we'll learn to fly a kite. I'm so excited. Laria, you are the best friend a girl could ask for, for introducing me to Nolly Peltry who's also the best friend a girl could ask for. We're going to fly kites, and I'm so excited. And I'm going to help the rebellion by doing something fun, which is very weird. I'll take your word for it, but mostly I'm glad I just don't have to do it. <laughs> so you have so to excited. knock yourself out, kiddo. Despite running a coffee shop, I really prefer not to wake up before eight. <laughs> oh, I understand that. <laughs> Luckily, I'm an early bud. Oh, then, uh, hmm, hmm, hmm. Rooster. I'm going to call you Rooster. I no, love it. No, only boy roosters. Roosterette. Please I'll come don't up call with something me hen. <laughs> Just don't call me hen. <laughs> That's Adria's code name. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> <by the> hen. <laughs> I suppose then you uh, you spend the next, at the very least, the next probably like 30, 40 minutes just kind of talking, getting some planning, you know, scheduling exactly. It's like, okay, well, there's a clump of three trees here that's kind of in the towards the center of the park, but there's a lot of open area that's going to be free for where they uh, say we got to have the open area so we can like start the kite by like running, yeah, you know? running, start, get the kite up in the air, you know, get that ocean breeze coming in. The two of you spend the rest of your week working. Niccolo, trying your best to find people to fulfill this uh, this strange new contract. Mm. Again, with this mysterious Tifling woman and her mis even more mysterious Tifling benefactor. And Niccolo's really trying hard not to think of all the ways this can turn into eyes wide, uh, eyes wide shut. Because <laughs> 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 it has uh, that sort of vibe to it. So, If I had a nickel for every time I went, 
How is this going to turn into an eyes wide shut situation? <laughs> I'd have two nickels, which isn't a lot, but it's weird that it's happened twice. <laughs> Precisely. In the meantime, uh, Lucia, you know, going out and, and getting to engage in the other side of your uh, your secret organizations as you're like, oh, crap, I am in two secret organizations. Yes. Double but one membership. of the organization, one of the organizations teaches me how to fly a kite. And if it, Lucia is anything, she really gets into her roles. So she's like <laughs> getting really good, really fast. The two of you. Once the weekend comes, take your usual preparations to make your way to uh, the Long Roads Coffee House. Lucia, you get somewhat of a late start that morning as you were up early learning to fly kite uh, before cool. making your way back, changing into uh, a little bit more of the adventuresome gear to go and have your your weekly catch up, chance to talk to Rex's, chance to uh, chance to catch up with the rest of the Silver Ravens, and maybe begin your prep for what's going to be coming next. Nicolo, you meet Lucia on the road leading its way down towards Long Road's coffee house, the one that runs just along the Villagree Park and makes its way up towards the building itself. Lucia probably jogging to catch up to Nicolo, who strides with a long leg purpose, hood down to not draw too much attention to, you know, the Tifling wandering around the Villagree district, which yeah. inevitably Pay no draws attention, attention to me, please. Please. <laughs> oh, do you have a late start or uh, maybe some exercise this morning? Oh, no, I, I took up a new hobby. I oh. got to tell you guys all about it. It's so much fun. I'm learning how to fly a kite. And it's the most amazing thing ever. But I've got to tell you guys whenever we uh, we have our meeting. Oh, okay. Sounds, hey, that sounds very nice, Lucia. It's a lot of fun. I'm glad to see that you're, uh, you're enjoying your newfound freedom. Yeah. How was your week? Odd. Odd in a dangerous way or just odd in a weird way? I don't know yet. That's odd in a dangerous way, for sure. 100%. I'm not, I'm hoping it's not, but. Also, how is your, how is your work get odd like that? I thought you would find people, help find people a job. Yeah, that's what I thought too. Odd jobs. (laughs) 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 Yeah, but Bowler Hat comes flying in out of nowhere and takes off the head of a statue. (laughs) How does that even work? <laughs> oh, gosh. Adamantine rimmed bowler hats. Oh, <laughs> 90s James Bond. Okay, but like, you know, Hedeman has made one of those at some point, right? Probably. I look forward <laughs> to seeing that trick weapon. <laughs> the two of you meet up and begin to approach the front of Long Road's coffee house. Oh, no. As you're nearly up towards the front of the building, making your way towards the side, you hear a bell. This dang, 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 not the sound of church bells, but the sound of a handbell that that you'd usually hear maybe from criers. A few people stop as a boy is making his way down the street, wearing, well, simple clothing, although also wearing a tabard displaying the red cross of the flag of Chiliax. He shouts out from across the way, loud enough, though, for you to still hear. Citizens of Cantargo, your beloved Lord Mayor Brazili Thrun announces a new speech today at noon to announce his new ninth proclamation. Oh, no. Gather in whatever public space is most appealing to you, or if you wish to see your glorious Lord Mayor in person before the Cantargo Opera House at noon. He then ding, ding. Ding, ding, rings the bell again as he continues. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Remember when we first met? It seems like we're going to have a sequel. Mm. 
Let's go get the others. Ugh, this hey, is do, you, be, do uh, you usually sell better tickets at the sequel, or is it worse? <laughs> if it's anything like a, like a normal show, you got to top what you did last time, so it's going to be worse. Oh, no. Come on. This is Find the Path. This is going to be the T2 of sequels. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, we'll pick it up here next time. Mayor <laughs> 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 Proclamation oh, yes. 2, Judgment Day. <laughs> oh, goodness. Amazing. Oh, Hasta la vista. Oh, no. <laughs> Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Hell's Rebels is copyright 2015. Hell's Rebels and the Pathfinder Adventure Path are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission. Find the Path Ventures have converted Hell's Rebels from Pathfinder to Pathfinder 2nd Edition. Conversion notes are available to our Patreon backers at patreon.com backslash findthepath. 